What up? Welcome to another week of our podcast. My name is Aaron, and his name is... Bill. He has such a boring name, but we can't really change that. His parents named him William, and he goes by Bill. So, Bill, my ridiculous question for today... It's really not even that ridiculous, but... It probably is ridiculous. But I want, I want your opinion on something. All right. Would you put fruit snacks... In the candy category, are fruit snacks considered candy? That's a good question. That's not a good question, don't I? I think it's a good question uh, because I would say no. I put them in the fruit category. Fruit? Yeah. Have you eaten real fruit before? Sure. So Occasionally. Why, so why would you say fruit snacks are fruit? Well, I think that there's a, a small percentage of the fruit snack that might actually be from fruit. Uh, but maybe, maybe I'm wrong. But I'd like to think that they're fruit. I don't think they're fruit. I don't. I wouldn't put them in the candy category, and here's why I wouldn't put them in the candy category because they don't sell them in the candy aisles. Now, that's that's a good reason. I have like a candy problem. Like I eat a lot of candy, and my dentist has told me so. I have bad teeth, all that good stuff. And so a few times I've fasted from candy. Mm-hmm. You know this, a faster candy. You have, but you had fruit snacks. I have and I would have fruit snacks during that candy fast because basically fruit snacks are like candy, but they're not candy. I think that there's, I would classify them as fruits. There's a bunch of sugar in them. They're chewy and fruity, which is my favorite types of candy. And therefore, um, I do not cast or categorize them as candy. Yeah, I don't either. I think you're okay with that. Well, we're on the same page. Now, Bill and I aren't always on the same page. He thinks a lot of dumb things, and I think dumber things. I guess you could say that. That's one way of looking at it. So we're going to continue our podcast this week with a topic we want to discuss. What are we talking about today, Bill? Well, I chose a topic today, and I, I wanted to talk a little bit about the Bible, the B-I-B-L-D. The Biblioteca? Uh, that's the library. Uh, uh, it sounds like the Bible. Then yeah, like it sounds the, like the, the Bible. The techno term. But it's, uh, it's not. The, the, the Bible. And I wanted to get Aaron's thoughts about the Bible and kind of interact a little bit with those. Because I have deep, meaningful thoughts he does, about deep. the Biblioteca. <laughs> the library. Biblioteca. Uh, but my, I wanted to start by just asking a really simple question because I think it's important. Because you're a simple man. And no, but I think it is you're an not? important question. Well, I'm, I feel like I'm I'm pretty complicated. All right, I quit derailing you. That's all right. I'm I'm not derailed. Uh, I wanted to ask: uh, Do you think people today believe the Bible is relevant, um, and, and why? I mean, why do they or why don't they? I, I was curious to know what you thought about that. Well, I think people today, well. That's not a very good question in the sense that people, people in general, if I ask every person that one question, I get a variety of different answers. So I'll ask it in general, because I think that's what you're asking me. In general, do I think people think find the Bible relevant? Is that what you said? And why would I? It's critiquing my question. Is that what you said? I just kind of thought that the people in general, and I guess people in the church, although I thought broader than that, do they think the Bible is relevant? Or do they think it's an outdated book that nobody really cares about? Um, I think, I want to say, yeah, there are people, there's plenty of people today that find the Bible relevant. And I would answer why to that question or why I would, I believe that is there's people who tried to live by the Bible. Now, what I am finding though, more and more through my own experience with people and just what I read from smarter people than I that write things and say things is that people like to pick and choose 
what is considered relevant from Scripture. Okay. So that you would think, is, is the Bible as a whole then? I guess what I'm look, talking about is, is seems like a long time ago. Maybe it wasn't, but I remember it. When, um, when the Bible was written? <laughs> not, not when it was written. Oh, okay. But when uh, people um, really believed that the, the Bible was the Word of God and that we were, in, in the Christian church, we, were, we have a slogan that we're people of the book and that we want people to know what the Word is and we want to stand on, on the Word and we teach children the song, stand alone on the Word of God. But it seems to me like today I, I hear people um, think that, maybe it's like you said, picking and choosing parts of the Bible they think is important or just kind of maybe dismissing the Bible as secondary other things. Am I wrong about that? No. Um, I mean, people today either really love the Bible, they, they eat it up, they soak it up, it's it's all they're about. And that can be almost a negative. It's like you worship this thing that was written 2,000 years ago as opposed to what was written about in the book or in the letters that are written. Because the Bible is really not a book, people. It's a bunch of letters compiled together in historical documents put together into one book so it might be a library it is more like a library yes but anyway i don't know what i was saying i lost my train of thought but or people just think it's just like saying they think it's written two thousand years ago and then the old testament written even longer than that and so a lot of people i feel like even Mm -hmm. in the church today would say you know what i'll go by what the new testament says which is the second half of, of the Bible, which is about the life of Jesus and then the apostles writing letters. But the Old Testament, like, they're telling me not to eat uh, shellfish. I can't eat pork. I can't wear clothes made with two types of fabrics. I got to do this on Tuesday, but if I do it on Wednesday, I'm in trouble. That part's made up. I don't know if it's, it doesn't say that in the Old Testament. But the point is these real specific laws. Um, but And then in the New Testament, I mean, there's stuff... Like, I mean, the biggest one I think of is, like, homosexuality. Like, well, is it really true 2,000 years ago that it said, okay, you can't uh, have homosexual or sexual relationships with the same sex? Like, well, our society today very much says, if you think that, you're a terrible person and you're, like, a a bigot or you're not a racist because homosexuality isn't a race, but you know what I mean? You're you're prejudiced. Mm -hmm. Does it bother you uh, as a a youth minister, as a, a preacher? Does it bother you that people, um, not everybody, but a good number of people, maybe even a pretty good number of people in the church, don't uh, see the Bible as important as you might? Yes. <laughs> he gave me a yes or no question. I did. I mean, that wasn't. Well, a- of course it does. I'm a pastor. I'm a minister. I want people to live by to live by God's word, and I mean, I'll be honest. There's some parts in scripture in the new testament that i read and i think that's the thing i think what people miss about the bible is is that we read it today expecting it's it's written directly to me aaron peer in 2018 but it wasn't this uh, the apostle paul who wrote most of the new testament was writing to specific people in specific situations in specific cities and specific communities of churches and so i read that and paul's writing to a specific situation in church and i read this i'm like well, this doesn't really pertain to me. I can learn and glean something from it, but it's not like it's written directly to me. Does that make sense? Kind of. And so then we get we think it's pointless or dumb, or we don't. We're not that. We don't understand it. And we have to realize that 
it was written to certain people in certain situations. Well, I'd agree. I mean, I would agree with you in, in, in the sense that I think that there is a context to Scripture and knowing the uh, reason why a particular book was written and, and the audience to which it was written I think is important. But I would also, I, I would also say, perhaps a little differently, or at, in addition to what you've already said, that I think there are some timeless applications that matter. And, and while the particulars of each individual case might not be there, but I don't... I do think that there are some things that uh, that we can glean from Scripture that have a timeless application and relevance to, to life, even life today. So I guess to some degree, and I think that context matters, but I think that we would do well to study to understand what it is that God is trying to tell Christians, not only in the first century, but, but in the uh, 21st century today. Yeah, because, I mean, most of the New Testament... I mean, the first four books, the life of Jesus, are written to f- different people to teach about Jesus. That's why some of them don't have the same material as others. And then, then after that, it's it's disciples writing to churches, basically teaching them how to live according to the will of Jesus mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's very much like to me as a Christian, it's very relevant to me today because it gives me these principles on how I'm supposed to live as a new Christian. Because when these, when the Bible was written, Christianity was brand new. The Jewish religion had been going on for thousands of years, and, mm-hmm. and a lot of Christianity is adopted from Jewish culture and Jewish, the law, mm-hmm. but it has Jesus in it. And so, yeah, yeah I, me personally, I find Scripture really relevant. I mean, yeah, there's some things that are in there that I think were... A cultural thing 2,000 years ago that aren't cultural mm-hmm. today. Like it talks about, for instance, an example, and, and one of Paul writes a letter, in one of his letters he writes, don't eat or don't eat food that's sacrificed if it causes your other brother to stumble. You can help me f- say this correctly, but right. if I'm screwing this up. But the idea is like some people want to eat food that was sacrificed to the Greek or Roman gods. But really, Paul's saying there's nothing wrong with that. But if your other brother or sister in Christ has a problem with it, don't cause them to stumble. Right. Well, today there's no one in his, no one in my culture, my town that sacrifices animals for their sins and then sells the meat. So, yeah, I don't like to personally worry about that. But it's still a principle that can be used. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the principle is, is universal. The idea of not doing something that, that we have freedom in Christ and that. There are a lot of things that are neither good nor bad in and of themselves, but that uh, if, if someone has a problem with it, another Christian has a problem with it, then we should avoid it, not because it's inherently bad, but because we don't want to cause them to stumble or to sin. I think that makes good sense. Yeah. That matters. Um, what I was looking at a little bit last night and, and earlier this morning, and I don't have the numbers in front of me, so I won't quote statistics to you, but but the, the number of people that would... Uh, qualify as biblically illiterate or, or, or don't do well on passing basic Bible knowledge tests is growing. I mean, there's a number of people in America as a whole, but also the number of, of people that identify themselves as Christians, their knowledge of the Bible seems to be getting less and less o- over the years as these studies are done. Um, what do we do to, to stimulate uh, passion to know the Bible? And is it important? Is the Bible important, and what do we do? Well, to? is it is it and the Bible is important? That would not be my question. The question would be Bible literacy is that important? Yeah, getting people to hunger and thirst mm-hmm. to know the Word. I mean, that's a tough thing because if we look at Scripture, like 
those letters where they were written, the Bible didn't exist yet. Right. And so it doesn't, but what it does talk about is, is especially in the Old Testament, like King David, because they had the law and they said, put God's word in your heart, know God's word. Right. So if you translate it, if you, if you take it in that way, I we would can, say, yes, it's important. For we can people. go into further. I mean, Paul told Timothy, study to show yourself approved. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I mean, there's some sense of, of knowing what is, at that time, Scripture. Now, it won't be codified in, in a canon until, you know, around you know, 400 A.D. But there's a history lesson for you. 400 A.D., the Bible was canonized. Which, New, when I got to Bible college, I'm like, why are we talking about these canons? The New, the New Testament, that is, the, the Old Testament was around... 400 B.C., but that's yeah. neither here nor there. But uh, Well, it was there, 400 B.C. Was there. <laughs> so it's not going to show up as a, as a, a book so yeah. much later, but Paul really was, em- was emphasizing to Timothy and to, and to others to, to know stuff. And, and, and Acts 2 talks about they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. So I think there's some study there. I'm just curious to know what you think. Um, do we do a good enough job of pushing that, or are we content to let that slide? I mean, I want people to know the Bible for sure. Um, I'm not going to be a legalistic, like, turd and be like... Can we say that on this podcast? I just did. I guess we can. Like, legalistic turd and be like, (laughs) you don't know where that book is in the Bible. You don't know that verse. Yeah, I I don't want to be like that. I mean, but at the same time, I want people to know... Here's what the fine thing is to me is, is that... It is more easy now to read the Bible, to get access to the Bible than ever before. With the smartphone and with the Bible app, and there's not just one, but there's multiple apps you can download with the internet. You can, there's multiple websites that have the Bible on it. So you can read the Bible wherever you want. I think people don't read it because they don't understand it. Hmm. And I think for me, when I began to read scripture personally on a regular, it was probably around my senior year in high school when I started actually, okay, I'm going to personally read the Bible on my own, not because it was in Sunday school or at church, but just for my own benefit. Um, I think what helped me the most was, and here's what's maybe one of the most boring classes I had when I went to Bible college was New Testament introduction or Bible introduction, Old Testament. Basically, you learn about why the letter was written, who was written to, who wrote it. All the foundational Yeah, I feel like when I understood and knew that stuff, it made more sense when I read. Like when I read 1 Corinthians, I knew, oh, Paul wrote this to this place and here's why you know it made it why was that boring well, it's probably who taught it and the, <laughs> well, let's not go there yeah. <laughs> in case they're listening let's not I'm go not, there I'm not too worried about it and I'm not too worried about my New Testament introduction professor even remembers who I who I am but yeah when I figure that stuff out you know like it's easier to say I mean sometimes I'll be honest when I read Paul's letters sometimes I'm like he seems like a guy that um, uses a thousand words, but sometimes he could use maybe five hundred words. Like he he says a lot, you know. Sometimes I'm like, I gotta read that a few more times just to better understand what he's trying to say. Uh, makes sense. Makes sense. I, I think there's a challenge. I, I think you're right. I think people are intimidated by the Bible. Um, it is uh, it is a challenge. Uh, I think at some level. Every time I read something that I have read before, I always gain new new insight, new understanding. So I don't think that we can ever say we've read it and we're done reading it. I mean, it's something that you read over and over again, and I think that's an important thing. But I had a hard question, and, and it's one that I've done a little bit of study on and, and heard some popular preachers talk about uh, a few months ago, several months ago, really, 
and I wasn't sure that I agreed with them, but I don't know that that matters. But I thought it was a good question to ask you, maybe to talk about with the people that might be listening to us talk today. Do you think that you need to know or be familiar with the Bible to know Jesus? Does the Bible play a role in showing Jesus to people? Because I think that the, the person I, I read about, and I may have misunderstood, but I felt like that they were diminishing the importance of the Bible to elevate the significance of knowing Jesus. And I didn't know that the two were separate, so I want to know what you think. Like, my first gut is is you can still know Jesus without knowing the Bible, but you don't know who Jesus is. Well, you don't learn about who Jesus is without going straight to the Bible or the books of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then even Acts. And even, I mean, you learn about Jesus all throughout the New Testament and even in the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. But... Um, like, I could have a conversation with a friend at a table, and they can tell me about Jesus, who Jesus is, and I can be, my life could be transformed through that conversation and through the Holy Spirit indwelling in them and impacting me. But, so I could learn about Jesus and be changed by Jesus just by stories, but I think the Bible is going to be a huge, huge tool, resource, benefit and me gaining more understanding of who Jesus is by reading it and then engulfing myself into it. Mm-hmm. So I think, yeah, you can ultimately learn about Jesus, give your life to Jesus without having the Bible as a, a mainstay, but it, I think it stays surface level if you don't allow the Bible to teach you more about who Jesus is. I think I agree. I mean, I was thinking about that and trying to wrestle with it in my own mind. I mean, I think just on a... Your mind is a dangerous place. It can be. Uh, it's a very, uh, very scary place uh, on occasion. But I was thinking that, that you know, technically this question, and obviously I wrote it, so I was thinking about answering it. And I was thinking that you know, the technical answer is, yeah, you, you don't necessarily need the Bible to encounter Jesus. I mean, the, the Bible says that in, in the book of Romans. There are people that, that are uh, in places where Jesus hasn't been preached and that there, you know, there are places where the Bible hasn't been, and yet nature itself, creation itself, reveals something about God. And, and so I, I think that there can be an awareness of God, um, an awareness of, of, the, of a creator, without even a note of Jesus or the Bible. So it would follow, in my mind, that sure, you could, you could hear someone talk about Jesus, not have access to a Bible, and understand and believe who he was, and put your faith and trust in him, and um, accept him as your Lord and Savior. I think that that could happen without Scripture, but I agree with you that I, I think that, that, that you're limited in your ability to, to grow in the relationship unless you have the Word that I think can feed and nourish and, and provide you with uh, challenges to to better walk with him. I guess that's what I would say. Yeah. And, I mean, having a conversation with someone who knows Jesus, a lot of times, or knows about Jesus, has faith in Jesus. Like, there's stuff about Jesus in Scripture that Jesus said that a lot of people don't bring up because it's controversial or it's confusing. Like, for instance, I've been harping on this a lot lately with just what I've read recently with um, about church and this about who Jesus is is that like Jesus expected some pretty big things from disciples like he says you can't be my follower if you don't do x y and z mm-hmm. and basically that means if you don't devote your whole self to me like he told some right. dude go sell all your stuff you can't follow me and that guy was sad because he really liked his fast camel and sweet clay house yeah, that was the rich young ruler for 
those that are following along at home. Whatever. Rich, young ruler. How do we know he was young? The Bible says he was. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good job, Bill. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, I agree that sometimes people use the Bible too much in the sense that, like, I don't know, they wave it around like it's this magical thing that changes people's lives. I mean, really, Jesus has changed people's lives. This book, just or library, whatever you want to call it, gives people the information, and then the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus work together to change people's lives. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I generally think I agree with your statement. I, I think it's bigger than just a book, but I don't know that you said it wasn't. I, I think that it is the Word of God, unlike any other book. I, I love books. I have lots of books in this office. I have more books at home. I, ha- I yeah. have a love for books, and I read books all the time. But there's a difference between the Bible and any other book. Any other book is a, it can be great. There's some great books out there. Then there's some not so good books out there. But um, the Bible's different in that it's the Word of God. I mean, th- this is the inspired Word of God. The Holy Spirit spoke into the hearts and minds of these men and possibly women to write these scripture, these these words that have become over the years scripture. So I think that they they carry a little more weight than just any other book. But I do agree with you that the whole purpose of scripture is to point to Jesus and point to God. So if we lose that purpose, then I think we have worshipped the the means by which we should see God rather than worshiping God Himself. I need to find something that you disagree with me on, so we can have a spirited argument where I say, well, you're dumb and wrong, and I'm right, or well, vice versa. Well, we're only on our second show, so I feel like that, that could happen pretty quick. Oh, it just needs time. just needs time yeah. to marinate. Right. The Bible's, the Bible's not a controversial topic enough well, for, for you and I. Well, I have somewhat subtly disagreed with, with your, your more um, um, you know, bold pronunciations about the Bible. My bold pronunciations of the Bible? Oh, I wasn't sure I was going to say that. Oh, okay. So I tried to add a little nuance to that, I suppose. But my last question I thought was important, too. Does it matter? We talk about biblical inerrancy. And when I was in school, much longer uh, ago than you were, and probably you weren't hardly born when I was in school. You are old. But the the idea of biblical inerrancy mattered, that the Word of God was completely accurate, 100%. Are we talking like grammar? Like grammar too? Like... No, we're not talking about grammar. We're talking about in the original manuscripts, everything in there was true and accurate. Not that everything is discussed or everything is said about every, everything that could be said about something is said, but that everything that's said is is accurate. So, for example, the creation story in Genesis one and two, twenty four hour periods, because that's what it says: a day and a night. Um, the age of the earth would be anywhere from. Six to ten thousand years old, based upon the chronology and the genealogies that are found in Genesis. But it's and, billions of years old. Well, so that's my question. In my mind, I don't get too wrapped around the axle uh-huh. about the creation evolution debate. I don't think it's that relevant to salvation. And I know plenty of Christians that see, you know, both sides of that. So it doesn't matter to me. But but what was does matter to me is the issue of inerrancy. Do in order to grow as a Christian, do I have to um, accept biblical inerrancy and uh, should I? Oh. Not a hard question? Well, I mean, the the answer I'm supposed to say is... <laughs> what I'm supposed to say is, yes, you have to. You need to believe the Bible is without error mm-hmm. as a Christian, right? And, and I, well, I think right? that. I do think that, and, and I'll give you a, a two-sentence answer why. Because if 
if the Bible's purpose is to point us to God in Jesus, if if there are parts of it that are inaccurate, then how can I have confidence on the parts that point me to the Savior and to God the Father? So, yeah, I agree. If, if there's inac- if there's false information, that's where we're talking about inerrancy, false information, not like... I mean, we get into, you know, conflicting. One verse says, uh, don't eat... eat um, fruit but other passage says you can eat strawberries like oh wait, wait, wait how am i supposed yeah, to i'm not talking about those apparent contradictions that yeah. i don't think are just saying so for me to be a christian i have to believe in inerrancy. that means i have to believe that jonah was swallowed by a big fish right i have to believe that moses that that's not a myth moses parted the red sea and walked across it right that it wasn't just a low tide i have to believe that jesus walked on water and ultimately i have to believe jesus was killed on a Friday, and then rose again on a Sunday. Correct. Which, by the way, isn't actually three full days. Have, have that blow your mind there for a second. It is by the... No, 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 I'm not telling the answer yet. Okay. She's about to ruin it for you. Okay, sorry. Then, yes, I do believe that you... And believe in the Bible's in there, because I believe those things happened. Now, some people think they're fairy tale and magic, but I also... I mean, to me, it's not far-fetched to believe those things if I believe... A created being created all things. I also think it's hokey. I also think it's more of a a dream to think, well, one day there's a bunch of stuff floating around. Then, boom! And it all just came together. That was the Big Bang. I mean, and there's I don't, there's other theories too, but yes, I think that's crazier to believe than a being created at all. Well, I agree. I mean, I, again, we're, yes! we're agreeing a lot on, on things, but I think inerrancy matters, and I think that that is a, a, a principle we shouldn't give up. And because I think if if we cede that, then I think we really have shifted the ground. So I don't, I don't, I wouldn't do that. I, I mean, yeah, if you're a Christian and you say, "Well, I believe that," and some of the stuff, but I don't, I can't believe that, you know. David killed a ten foot giant with a rock to his head. Like, well, if you can't believe, I mean. It's kind of like... He was nine feet. Is it all or nothing? You know, don't... I know he hates when I do that, but uh, I have to give some energy and excitement into Mr. Uh, Peter. All right, tell the people now how it's technically three days. Well, that's a that's that's three days in the sense that the way the Jews reckon time from, from uh, 6 o'clock to 6 o'clock at night, that's the day. So Jesus died on Friday and was put in the grave before 6 o'clock, so Friday we count... He was in the grave from 6 o'clock Friday, 6 o'clock Saturday. That's, that's Saturday. That's day two. And then he rose sometime after 6 o'clock p.m. on Saturday to Sunday morning. So he was in that grave part of that time. So he was in the grave three days. And he wasn't in the grave for 72 hours, but he was in the grave for on, on, on three days. That's how it was. <laughs> that was that was interesting. Good job, I, Bill. I know it was. Hey, I have one more question for you that we'll probably will disagree on because I think this is an important one. Okay. And it usually irritates you, and so I'm glad to ask it. Uh, Bible memorization is something that I uh, think is very important, and I think you don't. I would like to know why you don't think it matters to memorize verses in I the Bible. I don't think it's unimportant to memorize Scripture. I think it's good and beneficial, but I don't think like it's a... Oh, I don't know. It's not like I have to. And the reason I disagree upon it is, is in the way that you're involved with it. Like, well, I'm involved with it. <laughs> How can one be involved weirdly in memorizing scripture? Well, I don't understand. My thing is this competition. You memorize 
the Bible as a competition to to win money to go to Bible college. That's only one particular group, but it is, it is memorizing Scripture. I just want to know if memorizing Scripture makes any difference. It used to be in camp. We used to, I used to, as a dean, a lot, an hour a day to memorize Scripture. And I have spent a lot of years in a program where I taught kids to memorize a lot of Scripture. I think it, yeah. I used to memorize the King James back in the day. So I think it's important. But nowadays, I get when I say that, I get looked like, I, the people look at me like I just, you know, threw up on myself or something. So why is that? I don't. I think it. I think it's good. I don't. I, don't, I mean, you thought we might disagree, but I don't think we really don't. I mean, I'm not really good at. That's not true. I can. I can memorize the Bible if I really put my head to. I, I, I can memorize yes. a song or. Yeah, you memorize songs a lot. You, you go around singing songs all the time. You make up songs all the time. You're very creative and very intelligent. <laughs> There's no reason why you can't. It doesn't seem to be a passion with people. I don't know why. I think it's just time consuming and difficult and hard. So people tend to if they don't see the value in it one and then if they find it difficult they're not going to do it and bible memorization can be one of those things like there's scripture like for instance i memorize scripture i don't know it by heart as well as i used to but when i was dealing with strong with having patience with my kid i i memorized the passage out of james to be quick to listen slow to speak and slow to become angry now there's a lot more to it but basically it helped me realize when my kids got on my nerves i had to be quick to listen slow to speak, and slow to become angry. And that was helpful. So therefore, I think scripture memorization is good. Now, do I want to memorize the whole book of Deuteronomy? The answer to that is no. No. He doesn't. Even though the rabbis back in the day memorized the whole law, which I have no idea how they could do that. That's an impressive feat that blows my mind. So, yeah, it's a good thing. People choose not to do it because it's difficult and they don't see the value in it. Why don't they see the value in it, Bill? Well, I agree. I think it's hard. And I think that in education today, memorizing stuff is is not cool. In public school, we don't memorize the Gettysburg Address. We don't memorize the preamble to the Constitution. We don't well, test Let's on, not get on the America tangent. We here. don't test. We're going to disagree about a lot of things real fast. I don't, yeah. We don't test on factual stuff anymore. We test on on critical thinking. And so because of that, I think it carries over to the church. We're a lot more interested in application of the Bible than we are of actually knowing what the Bible says. Well, facts, a lot of times people don't, you know a fact, woohoo, it doesn't make you smart, you just know something. Where if you know how to critically solve a problem, then you become more intelligent. Like, I mean, I remember memorizing the states and their capitals, and I still know most of them by heart, and I'm like proud of that. Let's see if we can quiz him on that. We'll give you some easy ones. Missouri. This is stupid, but Jeff City. Oh, good. No one wants to hear me name off state capitals. I did. But my point is, is like, but I also like, you know, those like, when Jay Leno would go ask people who the vice president, they wouldn't have a clue. Like, I think that's terrible. Like, you should know who your vice president is. Mm-hmm. It's uh, Barack Obama, by the way, people. Yeah, yeah. Yes. That's, that's, and Hillary Clinton is president. That's, yeah, that's, that's who it is. That's where we're at. But, yeah, just memorizing, like, just memorizing the Bible, to memorize the Bible, say I've been memorized, that to me is not helpful. But to memorize it, to use it to your advantage to help you as a follower of Jesus, then I see it's good. But if you're, like, that's why I think, like, if someone's memorized it just to win some competition but not allowing it to work in their heart and change them, then I have an issue. With well, it. sure. I, I don't think in anybody who doesn't want the Word of God to change their heart and point them closer to Jesus we should be concerned about. Very concerned. 
But I think that I, I, I would challenge you that I, I think you can't apply that which you don't know. You can't. Oh, well, yeah, sure. I mean, so it's not rocket science. It's just science. <laughs> well, I guess. We What's don't, the capital of Sacramento? The capital of Sacramento. Yeah, Sacramento is a uh, is a city. It's a capital. I know of California. Of California. I, I said it wrong. I know. It was fun though. I should uh, just quit talking. <laughs> Aaron is irritated at me now for the falling apart of this podcast. It's not falling apart. But I think it's been interesting. I hope you have too. I don't have anything else on the Bible. Do you have anything you wanted to say? I mean, the Bible really is something that changes people's lives in a sense that it has all this great information about Jesus. And Jesus is what ultimately changes people's lives. So I would say don't be afraid to read the Bible. I always say you want to get into the Bible, read the book of John, and then read the book of James. Two two great places to start. John is the gospel that is about Jesus' life, and it's got a lot of red letters, meaning Jesus talking. And then the book of James is every youth minister's favorite book because James just gives all this very practical things to do as a follower of Jesus. James was Jesus's half brother, right. so do that. For me, I would. I, I don't disagree. That's a good possibility. I, I, I always lead with uh, read the Gospel of Mark because it's the shortest and it's the most direct mm-hmm. telling of Jesus' life with just a chronology. And then I would follow that up with the uh, with the Book of Acts, so that you would have the the whole story. Yeah, the Book of Luke has really long chapters. Like it does really long. It does. But that's my advice, too. But I agree with Aaron. The best thing people can do is to be in the Word. I would not just open it up randomly and start to read a passage. Doing that's better than not reading anything. But I would encourage you to systematically approach it. Because you might come across something that I don't know what this means. Therefore, I don't want to read it again. If you just like, I'm openly randomly read this. Like, for example, I don't know a lot about the Minor Prophets because I don't know a lot about who wrote them and why they wrote them and stuff like that. If I did, I'd probably have more enjoyment reading them and get more out of it. I love Hosea. It's my favorite story in the Old Testament. Habakkuk. Well, thanks for listening to our podcast. We're not as dumb as we think we are. Until next time. Maybe we're not as dumb as you think we are. Nope. Or maybe we are. All right. Next time, we'll talk about something else. Talk to you later.